0: what's up everybody i'm josh meek the uber geek welcome to pretty deece your weekly show about movies comics games and all the pop culture in between this is pretty deece season two episode seven for the week of october 21st 2019 and hopefully you all out there are having a fantastic week Uh, i certainly have had a very good weekend. We, uh, we don't talk about music very much on Pretty Dece, but my wife and I just attended an AJR concert, and AJR, if you don't know, it is a band, I'll call them an electro-pop band, it's just kind of a, a general like indie pop band, they, they do kind of um, electronic like synth sounds, they kind of dabble in a bunch of different genres, uh, they're very, very good, you've probably heard some of their singles on the radio. And the concert is interesting to talk about here at, on, on Pretty Dece because it was kind of presented as a movie. So AJR's most recent album is called Neo Theater, and it brings in kind of these old-timey like orchestral elements to it, things that kind of harken back to old-timey cinema. And the concert did the same thing. So there were elements of the concert that were presented on this giant video wall that they had uh, behind them. And they as performers, as real people, would interact with the video wall and it would kind of bridge the gap between what you saw on the screen and what was happening in real life. So, for example, at one point they have like a treadmill in front of the video wall. So one of the guys in the band was walking on the treadmill and and the video screen behind him made it look like he was walking down a street. He had an umbrella in his hand. It started raining on the video screen, so he put put the umbrella up. And he was in the perfect spot on the video screen that all of the kind of water flowed around him. So it looked like he was interacting with what was going on on the video screen. Super cool stuff, something that I have not really ever seen before in terms of like visual presentation at a concert like that. And really the the whole concert kind of had an arc really more than anything that I've ever seen before in a concert. The visuals of all the songs had uh, through lines. there were there were like there was imagery that would pop up over and over again. And it ended with this kind of reprise that sort of went back through the visuals that you saw throughout all the songs, kind of tied it all up nicely together, brought back elements from the very beginning as well and and really felt like a cool cohesive experience. So really really neat, obviously great music, I really like the band, but also really neat as like kind of a weird cinematic experience at a concert, which is of course you're mostly thinking is a musical experience. So really really neat thing and a very cool kind of pop culture experience. But speaking of pop culture, we have a lot to talk about today. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into the news of the week, so let's hit that theme song. Pretty Dees, Pretty Dees, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Dees Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. Our first piece of news revolves around Twitch, the ever-popular game streaming platform um, that that really... Uh, I think that older people don't get, and I'm definitely one of them. Um, I understand the appeal of, of, of Twitch. Oftentimes, I don't understand the extent to which it is popular, uh, and I certainly don't understand the specific personalities on Twitch that get incredibly popular. But if you do like some of those personalities on Twitch, you will soon have a new feature with which to interact with those personalities that is because Twitch is trying out what they're calling Watch Parties. And this is actually a feature that, that despite not being a huge, huge Twitch devotee, I'm pretty excited about the addition of this feature. So Watch Parties basically lets a streamer stream Amazon Prime Video content to their, their viewers. And if their viewers are also Amazon Prime Video subscribers, they can watch along. And it can kind of become this Mystery Science Theater 3000 situation where the streamer is able to talk over and interact with his chat while they're all watching the movie or TV show together. So that's kind of cool. It it creates this situation of just hanging out, watching TV, watching a movie with someone that you probably could see yourself as kind of a friend with even though you don't know them in real life. You know, that's that's a phenomenon that I often experience with like podcasts, for example. I spend hours and hours listening to these people. I feel like I know them very well without them obviously knowing me. It's a one-sided relationship, but you feel like you know them. So getting to quote-unquote hang out with them and just watch TV, watch movies – is a very enticing experience to have. And I'm sure the exact same thing is felt with a lot of these Twitch streamers. People who watch them, watch them for literally hours and hours and hours every single week. You get to know them really well. You, of course, are watching them because you like them and you like their personalities. And getting to experience that personality as you just kind of hang out and watch something else is cool. It's really, really neat. And it does lend itself to that kind of like MST3K, making fun of something while you're watching it or making jokes over top of it uh, situation, which is, is extra cool um, in addition to just the the neat getting to hang out with your, your favorite Twitch streamer as you watch the shows. It could lead to some really interesting content. So the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is our horror game streamers who they already, you know, their bread and butter is having people um, watch in order to see their reaction to the scary things that are going on on screen. So not only doing that for games, but for horror films as well, watching them jump and watch it in the dark and stuff like that. That is a very natural transition over to the watch parties. Another, I think, really, really easy example, as I said before, is the kind of watching something that's bad to make fun of it. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, and also just, In general, like watching seasons of of television shows and then having discussions about it both during and afterwards is a really cool avenue. You know, if you are a super fan of a TV show, getting to watch that with someone else who is also a super fan and then to have an entire chat room that you can interact with at the end of an episode is really neat. And I think that there's there are going to be whole new genres of Twitch streams that pop up because of this watch parties feature. So kind of exciting, It it's very, very cool. Now you do as a viewer have to be an Amazon Prime subscriber. So I could see that a lot of Twitch subscribers and Twitch streamers are gonna not be as into this feature because maybe they don't subscribe to Amazon Prime. So they're gonna be literally locked out of it. So that is maybe the one downside here. But this reminds me of, you might remember back on the Xbox 360, the Netflix app on the Xbox 360 had the ability to host watch parties with your friends. You could join up in an Xbox Live party with friends and you would watch the movie or TV show together and you would, it would even put your little Xbox avatars on the screen in their silhouettes just like Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was the coolest thing and uh, and a friend of mine and I would use it all the time. It was like our killer feature and then they took it out of the app and I was incredibly sad and I've wanted this feature to come back for so long and while the Twitch watch parties is not exactly the same thing um, it's not it's not for kind of two-way communication like the Netflix feature was it's for more one way of a streamer to their viewers it still is is a little hint of that and and that has me it has me super excited so I'm really pumped to see how people end up using this, and I'm really excited to see how many new, uh, new channels and sort of new fandoms pop up because of it. Next up in news, we've got some video game hardware news, but not from the players that you might expect. We're not talking Sony. We're not talking Microsoft. But we are talking about a console that is coming out in 2020, and that is the Analog Pocket. Now, you might remember from way back when on Pretty Dece, we've talked about the company Analog in the past. Analog is this cool company that is making modern hardware to play retro games. So their previous systems include, like, the NT Mini, which plays NES games, the Super NT, which, of course, plays Super NES games, and the Mega SG, which plays uh, Genesis games. And these are really, really incredibly well built, put together uh, pieces of of hardware that put out video, you know, via HDMI at high resolution and use Bluetooth controllers and things like that. But they still play your old games. So you, you in the case of like the NT mini, you put your NES cartridge in that device and play it. By default, it doesn't play any ROMs, so you can't just upload files that you've downloaded off the internet to play this. Though, eventually, jailbroken firmware did come out for those other systems that allowed them to play ROMs. That's not the intent. The intent is play your old games, that's your actual physical games, on hardware that makes them look as you imagined them, essentially. Now, Analog is back. They're doing it again, and this time for... Uh, for handheld consoles. So the analog pocket is a handheld device that will play Game Boy, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance games out of the box. And you'll be able to buy adapters for it to allow it to play Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket color, Atari Lynx, and other unannounced consoles as well. Super, super exciting. I growing up, definitely you know I, I had a an NES, I had a Sega Genesis. But I was a portable gamer at heart. I, I loved my Game Boy. I loved my Game Boy Color. And, and most of all, I loved my Game Boy Advance. And that was always my go-to system. That's what I would pack up and take to grandma's house. That's what I would take on vacation. That's what you couldn't pry out of my hands and force me to go to bed. Uh, the Game Boy was definitely my system growing up. And that's one of the reasons why I love the Switch so much uh, today. So... Getting the chance, of course, to buy this device that plays these games that I still own and still have, still have these fond memories of in, you know, gorgeous now upscaled HD is something that is very, very enticing to me. So, the Pocket is this uh, beautiful little device. It does look like an old school um, Game Boy Pocket. It's got four face buttons on the front, it's got a D pad. So, Two extra buttons there that they're they're throwing in, um, and it has the shoulder buttons kind of on the back, sort of halfway up. So it's uh, thicker on the bottom than it is on the top, but it is a very sleek looking device. It also comes with a built-in synthesizer. Uh, it's the Nano Loop application, which people have been using for years to make awesome chiptune music. That's built into this device right away, and the big feature of the analog pocket that they're selling is the screen they seem very very proud of this screen it is a 1600 by 1440 display they're specifically sourcing it they, they had wanted to make this device they talk about for a long time but we're waiting to get the right display they finally got with suppliers and found exactly what they wanted so, this isn't a widescreen display where they're trying to stretch to make it the correct aspect ratio. It's exactly the correct aspect ratio for Game Boy games. It's 615 pixels per inch, and it, it looks gorgeous in the pictures. And, and if what they're saying is to be believed, this is going to be the absolute best possible way to play Game Boy games and that has me really, really excited. Now, aside from the screen, let's talk about the hardware that's inside. So just like all of Analog's previous hardware, this runs an FPGA chip. FPGA stands for Field Programmable Gate Array. So this is not like an Android device running a Game Boy emulator. This is a specialized chip that can be programmed itself so at the hardware level they're saying like turn this gate on, turn this gate off Um, they're controlling it at a super super low level and they're basically recreating the chips that ran the original Game Boy Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance at the hardware level so ideally all of these games are going to run very very accurately and very quickly. You're not going to have some of the issues that you oftentimes have with emulators in terms of, you know, slowdown, screen tearing that wasn't there before, compatibility issues. It's going to be a lot closer to the the proper creation. Now, of course, FPGA chips are expensive, but of course, Analog is sourcing all of those and buying them in bulk. And they have, uh, you know, a team that is uh, wonderfully skilled at programming the FPGA chips, which is, not an easy task but they've done it several times over now for their uh their previous consoles so pretty cool you know you you can probably expect a device without of course me having my hands on one but just knowing from their past history you can expect a device that's going to be very very polished and play these games very very well now of course the next question is when does this come out and what is the price so this is going to be around 200 bucks to get the device. It'll come out in 2020, and it'll be 199.99, which, all things considered, 200 bucks is is you know uh, that that is a hefty amount of money to play Game Boy games. But I think for the thing you're getting, you know, this gorgeous screen, um, this really well built device, well programmed chip. If you have these old school Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games. This is—it's a pretty easy sell, I think, if you want to to keep playing those games in in a gorgeous new form factor. Now, if you don't own any of these old school games, it's a little bit harder to sell. You got to buy the console, and then start hitting up eBay and trying to get all the games and stuff that you possibly can. So, if you already have a collection, I, I think it's a a much easier pill to swallow at two hundred dollars. And in addition to that, of course, there will be some additional upgrades, and one of them I'm very excited about. That is a dock. So the analog pocket, they're all going to sell separately a dock. You uh, slot the device into, and then you can hook it up to your TV and play it as if it's a console on the big screen, connecting Bluetooth controllers to the analog pocket. So get the true console experience out of your Game Boy Advance games, uh, which I really I, is, I think, probably the killer feature of, of this device. In addition to that, so they, they they talk about the dock won't be super expensive but they don't talk about the price. And then the last sort of external accessory that you can buy are those adapters to let it play different um, different games. So if you want to play game gear games, you'll have to buy that adapter. They're not talking about how much that is, but it seems like they're targeting in the $10 to $15 range for that for each specific adapter. That's at least the price range. For the Mega SG, their Sega Genesis Remake console. So if that is where they land, 10 to 15 bucks a piece, that's certainly, certainly not bad. And I would happily shell out the extra 15 bucks to play my entire collection of Genesis games in addition to all of my Game Boy games. So I am stoked about this device, if you can't tell. Really, really pumped about getting my hands on one of these. And I will definitely be on the lookout for ordering one of these in 2020. And next up in news, we're talking about Riot Games, the game developer, of course, behind the incredibly popular League of Legends. League of Legends, it might not be on your radar because maybe it's not the type of game that you play, but League of Legends is incredibly popular, one of the most popular games that exists right now. And Riot Games is a developer that has an incredible amount of resources. They devote the majority of them to League of Legends, but if if anything surrounding League of Legends ever kind of floats into your periphery, for example, when they make like music videos, uh, you know that are kind of J-pop inspired, starring their characters, you really start to get a sense of like how much money and how how many like resources and, and animators and stuff Riot Games truly employs. In fact, I remember kind of talk a couple years ago that Riot Games wanted to improve matchmaking in League of Legends, and they were investigating, their solution for that was to simply build a better internet. So Riot Games essentially owns the world. And League of Legends is basically the biggest game that's ever happened. Uh, that's not called Fortnite. And now they are expanding the IP of League of Legends into the card game realm. Now I'm not a League of Legends player. I've never really played the game. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't call myself a fan of their IP or anything because I just don't know that much about it. But I am a fan of card games, and I am a fan of card games coming from companies that have the pedigree that Riot Games does. And this game seems pretty cool. It's called Legends of Runeterra. Uh, Runeterra is the universe in which League of Legends uh, happens, and it will star, of course, many of the characters from League of Legends. Now, Legends of Runeterra looks a lot like uh, your, your Magic the Gathering arena, it looks a lot like Hearthstone. Um, you have, of course, a hand. You have a battlefield. Your opponent has the same. You are playing cards. You're attacking. You're interacting uh, with your opponent's cards in the same way. You're building decks of cards that you unlock as you play the game. All of those things. They're not being super specific on, on the nature of the gameplay and the progression in the game, but what they are saying is, is that you unlock cards by choosing a region. And each region will have their own kind of themes and champions that you can unlock uh, in each of those areas. And they're saying that that you're not going to just be buying random packs of cards. There are chests that open once a week. You get cards out of that. Uh, but you're going to be unlocking cards based on the region that you choose, and you can bounce around and switch between regions. In the... Uh, in the video that they put out to kind of um, sort of give a quick little demo of the game, a quick little explanation of the game, you can see that each uh, each region has a level that you can kind of max out. I would imagine when you maxed out a region, you've unlocked all the cards in that region, but who really knows? So hopefully, fingers crossed, this is not a game that is going to try to absolutely milk me of all of my money like a game like Hearthstone or like a game like Magic Arena is. Um, obviously, collectible card games tend to lean in that direction. And simply because of precedent that's set and expectations that come from these types of games, these are things that tend to be very expensive to play. But they don't have to be, right? That There's no reason that that has to be the case. Uh, and, and I'd love to see a company like Riot Games get out there and, and break that mold. What I know of League of Legends, it's not a game that is really uh, money-hungry, let's say. You can, you can play it relatively free to play um, and still you know have a, a fair collection of, of uh, champions to play and things like that, so hopefully they carry some of that over into this card game. It seems very cool. And, and one of the features that they, that they talked about in that explainer video is something that they're calling Expeditions, which you start with a, it seems seemingly a kind of small, basic deck. And as you defeat opponents, you improve the deck as you go, which is exactly one of the coolest modes in Hearthstone that I like the most those adventure modes that they added. Um, really fun, one of the coolest ways to play a card game. And I'm really excited to check that out in Legends of Runeterra. So, obviously, as a huge card game fan, it's something I'm going to check out when it comes out. I've already signed up uh, to kind of be the first in the door <laughs> when the when the game actually launches because um, I'm very, very intrigued to kind of see what it all entails. And hopefully it's good. And hopefully it isn't uh, just pure microtransactions. But we'll certainly find out. <laughs> In comic book news, we've got some shakeups over in uh, Marvel Entertainment, the world of Marvel. Uh, Kevin Feige, who uh, previously was kind of the head of all of the Marvel movies and and Marvel TV, is now in charge of basically everything relating to Marvel. Kevin Feige was promoted to the Chief Creative Officer of Marvel Entertainment. That means that he now oversees Marvel Television, Marvel Animation, and Marvel Comics, so Feig will um, will still be the president of Marvel Studios, the the um, the movie producing uh, studio, and they're restructuring. So now the television stuff, the the team that put out, of course, the Netflix shows, the Hulu shows, that's moving underneath Marvel Studios as well. And now with this new role, so chief creative officer. Uh, the comic books that Marvel produces will also sort of be reporting directly to Kevin Feige. So Dan Buckley is the president of Marvel Entertainment, and he will he will still be there in that role, uh, but he'll be reporting to Kevin Feige. And Buckley, of course, is also he's the publishing side of Marvel Comics, um, but uh, but will will kind of all flow up through Kevin Feige. So, pretty big moves and, 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 you know, makes a lot of sense. Kevin Feige has been kind of instrumental in sort of putting Marvel back on the map, kind of, with the the films. Um, Marvel, at one point in its history, was kind of destitute, was um, kind of struggling with bankruptcy, It wasn't clear if there would be a Marvel Comics for much longer. Obviously, it's always been uh, somewhat popular and it has had its followers, but um, comics just as a medium were not something that was really seeing a ton of growth and wasn't really drawing in that new fan for whatever reason. And now, with the resurgence that Marvel has had mainly due to the Marvel movies... Um, we're seeing an entirely new generation of fan coming into Marvel from this avenue, from the films. And I think that's converting over into turning them into television fans and turning them into comic fans as well. So, you know, a lot can be said for the the effect that Kevin Feige has had. and And moving him over top of the comic world as well is kind of an interesting move. One has to wonder, of course, will big changes come or will he kind of just maintain the status quo, let the comics sort of continue to operate as they do because it's an interesting relationship that the Marvel movies have to the Marvel comics. Obviously, the movies are uh, ridiculously more popular than than the comics are, just in sheer numbers, but they draw all of their inspiration. Of course, all the characters, most of the stories, from the comic books. They all happen there first. So the movies need the comics to exist, despite the fact that the movies are way more popular, are way more profitable for the company. So one has to wonder if that means that Fy will leave the comics alone, let them continue to do their thing, churn out those ideas, churn out those characters, or will he kind of start to get his hand in it and maybe um, restructure over there and make things work a little bit differently and maybe influence the stories... Uh, who knows? We, we don't really know what his plan is in this new role. We just know that it is happening. So could be some very interesting time ahead for Marvel Entertainment. And that's going to do it for Pretty Dece for today. Thank you very much for joining me to talk about uh, all this awesome news. Got some cool stuff going on. I'm really excited about the analog pocket when that uh, when that handheld device comes out next year. Legends of Runeterra seems like it's shipping up to be a really exciting card game, and as a huge card game fan, I'm definitely going to be checking that out, and some big shakeups there in the world of Marvel Comics with uh, Kevin Feige taking over, all of kind of Marvel creative, so big stuff there, and hopefully that means good things for for Marvel, because I absolutely love Marvel and really love everything that they do, so hopefully that can continue. So if you want to check out past episodes of Pretty Dece, head on over to prettydeceshow.com to find out all those past episodes. Of course, also check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash to find that. And hit me up on social media. Let me know what you're up to this week, what you're doing, what you're geeking out on. I would love to hear uh, just what's going on with you guys. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Show.